And welcome back, folks. It's your host, Big Stack Shoegarts. Mike just gave me that new nickname. And it's been too long, my friends, and we are back. This is the Stash It or Pass It podcast, your weekly report for everything crypto, cannabis, and culture. Crypto being our weather report, cannabis our traffic report, and the anything goes culture report. Thanks again for being with us. We're back once again. It's another exciting week, action-packed. We have a great show put together for you this week. On the weather report, you're going to sit down with yours truly. I'm going to chop it up for you a little bit, tell you about DeFi, Decentralized Finance for Bitcoin, and a platform I'm using. It's on the side chain, RSK, and it's called Sovereign. Really cool stuff. On the traffic report, we're going to hear from our man, Dr. B. He's blessing us with our new doobs and don'ts. So we're excited to hear about that. And on the culture report, myself and Stash Adams, we sit down with an incredible guest. Her name is Jessica Rector. And we've actually known Jess since we were about 18, 19 years old when we were at The Ohio State University playing football. She was one of our trainers. And now Jessica has her doctorate in physical therapy. And she's doing some incredible work with Sacred Psychedelics by the Body Absolution LLC. So she shares this incredible story of where she's at now and about a very interesting trip that she's about to take down to Peru. So we're going to continue to follow this and we will surely have a follow-up story as well. But we're excited to share this with everyone. And last but certainly not least, make sure you check those show notes. We're going to have all of Jess's stuff there, how you can find her, how you can get in contact with her. We're going to have some great referral links, and we're going to have a word from our sponsor, who is your boy, yours truly. And so that's why clicking on these referral links, using some of this stuff, I promise, I promise it's good stuff. It helps me out a little bit. And as we all know, none of this is financial advice, but we are enjoying the journey. So my friends, as always, Stash Adams. And it's that time of the week. I'm back with my man Stash Adams. He's got a fresh shave, and his little furry creature living above his lip is looking extra spicy this morning. I love him with all my heart. It's been two weeks, and I need it, my friend. I need that mindful minute with my man Stash Adams. All right, y'all. Back at you with a mindful minute. It's your boy Stash Adams, your guy, big, big stash shoe guards. And uh, we got a good one for you today. It's a Mike Tomlin original. Um, it's something that he always preached, uh, especially um, for us at times when things weren't going well. Um, but it's something that fits into life in any and all cases, whenever adversity sets in. And it's seeking comfort. Seeking comfort is something that you don't want to do ever. Um, it's when you're feeling a little uncomfortable, when you're sad, when things don't work out, uh, when you're when you're plan falls short or anything like that. Um, seeking comfort is basically a set of behaviors that I guess weak-minded um, individuals, people uh, kind of always resort to. It's basically a way to, all right, we'll just get into it. So there's a few. There's complaining. Um, you know, everybody knows what it's like being around complainers. Uh, there's blamers, people who point the finger at someone instead of at themselves. Um, who can't people who have issues with taking responsibility for their role and whatever whatever this 
adversity is that we're having, you know. Um, and then there's also people who kind of minimalize things. So, for instance, like it happens a lot with us in sports when guys retire and it's not really like at their own wish. Um, you know, guys will be like, oh, I don't even like football that much. I don't even love football. I don't even watch football. Like you try to minimize the importance of something so that you can in turn hopefully minimize how much it hurts uh, when it doesn't work out, you know, um, which all three of them. So the complainers and the blamers, uh, it goes, it's just about who you surround yourself with, you know, like if you're always surrounded with people who are complaining, who are gossiping, who are blaming, pointing fingers at other people um, of why things don't work out, like you're going to be miserable a lot of times. Like those people, uh, you know, genuinely, I think are pretty miserable and misery loves company. You know, uh, personally, I like to be around people who speak life in the situation, speak life into other people, you know, things like that, um, I guess. And then the other one uh, that really gets me is like the whole minimalizing things. And I think, it's something that I've done. You know, we've all done all of these. That's one thing. It's like all of us have done all of these. I'm no perfect guy. I'm no perfect right. like dude walking this perfect line or anything like that. I failed uh, time and time again, and I will again. But the thing about like the minimalizing things is when you do that, you let whatever your circumstance is, you let it completely ruin your relationship with whatever that thing is that you were so hopeful about, like for me, football, you know, I think about um, guys who minimalize the role that football played in their lives, you know, and for all of us, we've learned so much from the game. And if you mm -hmm. make it to that level, the game has given you so much. Um, so when you minimalize it, like you can't, you can't let it ruin your relationship with the game. You've got to be able to come to terms and say, okay, well, this happened and it is what it is. I love what, whatever it did for me did like even with relationships i think like love relationships or friend relationships if you know something happens you get into a fight an argument or whatever you end up breaking up or you and a friend decide not to talk anymore i mean yeah that sucks and it hurts and like you know there's a grieving process for that and but i think like just completely minimalize it, like saying, oh, I never really liked her that much anyways, or I never really liked kicking it with him that much anyways. I mean, you just miss out on all the things that you learned from that person and all the good times that you had. I mean, if you, if you never have these, I mean, I guess that's part of it. It's like, there's no rain and shine for those people. It's like everything always has to be shiny 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 mm -hmm. and when it rains oh that's not not my rain you know what i mean like right blame it on someone else push it over here like oh it's raining i didn't even really like the shine that much anyways you know right uh, but so yeah i think like seeking comfort is one of those things you got to be really conscious of um you gotta you gotta be able to take a step back and take a look at yourself critically because when you notice that you're exhibiting these behaviors, like that shit hurts as well. Right. You know, right. like when you notice things in yourself that you don't like, like it's not just easy to deal with. You're like, Ooh, I don't like that. Better delete it. You know, like right. no, there's a whole process. You have a whole 
range of emotions that you go through and you think about yourself like you know being whatever like for me personally i think that if i start seeking comfort in things that i'm personally to me i'm being weak you know so when i first noticed um you know that there were some times when i would do that i took a look back at like you know a lot of life and i was like damn man like i was just being weak as hell through a lot of these times where i had real opportunities to grow mm-hmm. you know and i think for a lot of people who maybe weren't from a sports background or um or anything like that where constructive criticism is a big thing i don't mean like having parents who rag on you all the time things right. like that. i mean like real constructive criticism mm-hmm. having a real uh, a really good coach who really cares about your development and gives it to you straight, you know, but then also builds you up. I think people who haven't been in that sort of environment, I think it's probably a little harder for them to grasp the concept. You know what I mean? Right. Um, whether you're defensive because you're so used to always being like, you know, brought down or having people all like having critical parents who are always just tearing you down and never praising you Mm -hmm. Um, or whether it comes from being in a work environment in a, you know, a desk job somewhere where if you don't meet this quota, it's just like, you're, you're not shit. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I don't know because I've never lived in either one of those environments. Um, But it just kind of seems to me like that's a trap that a lot of people fall into. But yeah, I don't know that's all that's really all i got i mean i hope that there's a way for people to take that and use it and to be able to just take a look at themselves and see where they fall short i mean i mean without rain the garden will never grow every year we're going to harvest the fields but we also we got to plow them as well and uh myself i have complained i've blamed and i've tried to make many things minimal in my life when it comes to trying to escape that pain and seek comfort. And uh, one thing I've learned through this journey is, you know, the deepest, darkest, worst times or parts of yourself, you know, those are the, those are the ones that you have to dive deeper and deeper. You got to go and love them. You got to give them a hug. You got to bring them out and you got to shine some light on them. You know, just like we shine light on other you know, dark things in our lives or bad things that happen. We want to bring it to the light. And, uh, you know, we want, we want justice. We want peace. You know, we want love. And that's what you got to give those things. And it's a journey. It's a process. You know, I can tell you personally, when I complained and I blamed a lot, I surrounded myself with a lot of other people that did that. And it was because, you know, at those times I was definitely scared. I was sad and I didn't want to accept, you know, things that had happened to me or where I was at in my life. And then when you can do that, hone that, own it, and love it more than anything. Love those demons. Love that dark part of yourself. You know, then you can ultimately love yourself. And then you can do God's work. You can do, you can go out and you can love and you can grow and you can fill your cup up and then fill everybody else's cup up around you. And you know, that's you know, that's that's what it's all about. It's about helping people, it's about being grateful, and uh, you know, it's about love, man. And uh, bro, I can't, uh, can't thank you enough for sharing that with me, my friend. Bro, it's a, it's a tough thing though. You know, like it's, it's a really tough part is just owning shit. 
Right. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you can talk about a mindful minute. The mindful minute really could just be about owning stuff, like owning your stuff, you know, like realizing that there's nobody perfect out there. You know, like that's, that's a huge thing. It's like, we all, this Instagram world that we live in this social media world that we live in where we see people's highlight tape of life every day right like all you see is people's highlights like you literally start to think that like you're not shit because you have real issues going on in life but like bro they do too it's a weird thing especially like being you know 31 in relationships you know we're at that age Mm -hmm. um we'll get into a thing not a thing not a fight or anything but like my girlfriend will sometimes just be like yeah um wow look at that person they do this and this and this and you're like man what like yeah so do we like what do you mean (laughs) right it's like we just don't plaster our stuff as a highlight reel all over the place you know what i mean right um it's kind of wild because it makes me think about the whole like if you didn't post it did you even work out type of culture you know like i'm like damn like it's social media gives you this weird feeling of if everybody doesn't see you do it, did you really do it? And I think that's like a lot of people need to redefine their sense of fulfillment and what's important Mm -hmm. to them. Because when you get into that, that just means you're not happy with yourself and that you don't give your own opinion enough weight and that you're seeking approval from everybody. Right. And I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I think Nipsey Hussle said it. He's like, would you rather be at peace with the world and at war with yourself or at war with the world and at peace with yourself? And I don't know about you, but I'd rather be at peace with myself. Like I've had enough times where I can't sleep at night because I'm not happy about something I did or uh, or a decision I made or trying to fit in or some shit. I, you know what I mean? And then I know what it's like when I'm, doing what I want to do, like the way I want to do it, impacting people the way that I know that I can and all those mm-hmm. types of things. And I know how, how well I sleep at night. Right. You know, like, I don't know, I guess, you know, you got to be able to take a look at yourself, see what you like and what you don't like. Love the stuff that you do, love the stuff you don't, but work to fix it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if, you and you don't have yourself. to judge yourself super hard either. I mean, that's part oh, of it. Yeah. You can shine light on it and exactly. just bring it out and give it a hug, just like you would give, you know, when you're pissed off at your little brother or your sister or your mom or your dad. I mean, there's so many times we can be really mad at something that we unconditionally love so much. And it's the same thing. It's you. It's a party and you got to love it. Bro, I try to tell people when I'm teaching, like, these things will show up in your mind and you got to notice like high push-ups for me. So a high push-up, just a, your standard plank, mm-hmm. like is one of my favorite things in class. And I tell people like, listen, at some point here, there's going to be two voices that show up. You're going to have a voice that shows up. Usually it shows up first and it starts just telling you like, Oh man, this is getting tough. You need to take a break. This sucks. We're going to die. But I'm like, and then there's another voice. You might have to dig for it a little. But that other voice is just going to tell you, just take one more breath. Mm -hmm. One more breath. One at a time. You got this. You can do it. You can. You can. You will. 
Like that voice is in there, but you have to find it. Yeah. And it's gonna, and the other one's gonna be louder. Like it's gonna be right there. It's gonna be trying to, trying to get you right. Um, but it's like the same thing that I think about when you look at yourself and you see these things that you don't like. Like you don't sit there and just focus on it and hate yourself and you know start, you know, go down that spiral. Right. What you do is you just notice it. So that every time that it starts to pop up, you can acknowledge it. And just like when you're in the high push-up, you tap into that other voice, you take another breath, and one breath turns into two breaths, two breaths turns into three. Next thing you know, it's two minutes later, you're still in high push-up. You know what I mean? It's like when you see these things coming about in yourself, you notice it and you can stop it. And then you stop it once, and then you stop it twice, and then three times, and then next thing you know, it's no longer a habit. Right. You know what I mean? And you can be conscious of it. You can help other people to be able to overcome the same things in themselves. Uh, but if every time that those things pop up, you just start to, you know, you deflect or, right. uh, you know, project onto other people yep. or you start to do all of that, like the, you know, the seeking comfort type things because you can't, you really know that you don't like the way you're feeling. Right. Um, you don't want anybody to see that or feel, you know. Um, I think it's just a, it's a long road to go down. You know, it yep. takes, it takes a lot of work. It's, it's hard. It takes <laughs> yeah, a lot it's very hard. It's but, hard and it's, it's uncomfortable, especially what we're talking about. When you want to seek comfort, these things are not comfortable, um, especially when you first start to dive into them. But just to uh, just to kind of give my last little thought here. And, you know, like we were saying, you know, you don't want to cast judgment on yourself. But the more you don't judge yourself and love yourself, the more you will stop judging others and love them more as well, because you'll start to see the connectedness. You'll start to see yourself in others. You'll start to see them in you. So when somebody is doing you wrong or really mad or something crazy is going, you'll start to like, you know, be centered within and be like, Hmm. Like, Oh, I can remember like why I used to feel like that or when, what was going on in my day when I started acting like that. And you might not take it as personal or you might not let it cut into you as deep and you yeah. can just take a deep breath, be centered. And you can just love that. Maybe it's negative. Maybe it's not, maybe it's just not what you need at the time, but you can love it and then it will pass. Yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. Love yourself. Love, love yourself. yourself. And that's a mindful minute with my new nickname, Big Stack Shoe Guards. And my man. That's right, Stash And we're back, folks. It's your host, Big Stack Shoe Guards. Like I said, Mike just gave me that new nickname. And for those of you that don't know, stacking comes from a Bitcoin term to stack sats. Sats, like we've told everybody, means Satoshi. And there are 100 million Satoshis in one Bitcoin. So the more sats you stack, big stack shoe guards, the closer you get to that full coin, that half coin, that tenth of a coin, that hundredth of a coin, that one thousandth of a coin. Because Bitcoin, there's only 21 million Bitcoins and there is an infinite amount of wealth to put into those. Because like we have talked about, we are on a money printing and spending spree. So like we always say, this is not financial advice, but I'm going to buy some more Bitcoin tomorrow. 
and then I'm going to buy it the next day, the next day, and the next day because I am big stack shoe guards. And this is the weather report. So without further ado, let's dive right into it and let's learn a little bit about Sovereign. So like we were saying before, we're going to learn about Sovereign. Now, what is Sovereign? Sovereign is a decentralized finance platform built for Bitcoin. Now on Bitcoin, you have the Bitcoin blockchain, and then there is a layer two to that blockchain, which is called RSK. And Sovereign is built on the layer two RSK blockchain. Now again, what is Sovereign? Sovereign is a non-custodial and permissionless smart contract based system for Bitcoin lending, borrowing, and margin trading. Now, the first thing you might ask is, what does non-custodial and permissionless mean? Because you're going to hear these terms a lot when it comes to DeFi. And DeFi is going to be the next frontier within this crypto universe because we have the whole NFT thing going on, but not enough people have been talking about DeFi. And I can promise you, DeFi is going to be a huge part of our future. So again, what does non-custodial and permissionless mean? Sovereign does not require you to send your Bitcoin to a centralized company like BitMEX or Binance or Voyager or Coinbase in order to trade. With Sovereign, you send your Bitcoin to a smart contract that allows you to keep custody of your private keys, allowing you to withdraw your funds at any time. Sovereign is a permissionless in, in the sense that no one can censor a transaction, ban your account, or require you to undergo KYC before trading. And now what is KYC? KYC is know your customer. So some of you may have signed up for an exchange and you had to share your social security number. You had to share maybe a picture of your face, your driver's license, a lot of information before you could go on to that centralized exchange and trade assets. Now, with decentralized finance and a platform like Sovereign, now I don't actually give up the keys to my Bitcoin to be able to trade it on that platform where when I'm on Binance or Coinbase or Invest Voyager, all things that I use myself and I have to trust them, you know, so I have to trust them as they hold my public key. So, you know, let's say something crazy happens and they take it all. They have all the keys. I mean, I might not be able to get it back in that regard because we talk a lot about, you know, your private keys, how, how those are so important, your seeds, how to store your Bitcoin, because there have been times in the past. Now, this was very early on, and I encourage people to read into it, but it was the Mount Gox incident. And, uh, you know, a lot of people lost a lot of money. But again, we're talking about Sovereign today. And Sovereign, again, is DeFi built for Bitcoin. <clears throat> so let's hear a little bit more about that. And I can give you an example of, you know, what are some features that Sovereign offers? And then also let's talk a little bit. I can describe you a use case for Sovereign users, right? So Alice, let's call her Alice. Alice holds Bitcoin, but she wants to put her Bitcoin to work by lending it to a margin trader. You know, Bob is a trader and he's bullish. He isn't satisfied just to hold his Bitcoin, but he wants to hyper hold. He opens a long position on Bitcoin, borrowing the funds from Alice. 
Alice and Bob do not want to move their Bitcoin onto a centralized exchange, giving up the control of their keys. So by using Sovereign, Alice issues a peer-to-peer loan straight from her wallet and Bob trades straight from his. Alice is now stacking Satoshi. So she's earning, you know, essentially earning interest for lending out her Bitcoin herself. And Bob, he gets to hyper hold without compromising either their privacy or control or ideals. So essentially everything that you do on a centralized exchange, you can do now on a decentralized exchange and you don't have to give up the property rights, the keys or anything in doing so. So I hope everyone is still following me after hearing about some of those sovereign user cases, but I can tell you from my own personal experience and I will share the screen with you as well. When you go to our YouTube, I'll have some videos up of me surfing around my sovereign um, platform and whatnot, what I'm doing on there. So things that I actually participate in is what is called yield farming. And these are different pools and whatnot where you add liquidity to that pool, which allows this decentralized financial platform to essentially work and you get rewarded you know, for doing that. So for example, right now, I was running some numbers today. You know, you're rewarded in sovereign tokens, right? So right now the sovereign token is about $15. At its high, it was about $70. Now in the last three or four months, you know, I've probably earned about 50 sovereign tokens from my yield farming. So you can do the math there where you would do 50 times 15 or 50 times 70. Now that is a large, you know, or could seem somewhat of a large gap there, but you know, that's the thing I'm investing in this DeFi platform because right now you have the Bitcoin blockchain and there's really like two side chains that are, you know, pretty big. You have the Lightning Network and, you know, that's working with Jack Mowers, Jack Dorsey. They're doing a lot of different things with that. You know, the Strike app is great. You can send and buy Bitcoin. Those links will be in the show notes. But, you know, Sovereign, it's actually built on what is called the RSK network. And now that is a side chain to block to the Bitcoin blockchain like we were talking about as well. And, uh, you know, it has a, a great leader and, uh, you know, it is decentralized finance. So he's not the CEO, but, you know, he is the founder of it. Um, and he's really been involved in this work uh, with Bitcoin and really just trying to change the way the financial system works, a way that is more open and free. And uh, his name is Eden Yago. And, uh, you know, I've actually spoken with him a few different times on Twitter, Discord. You know, he's great. He, uh, he was actually just on a Twitter space with uh, Pompliano. And, uh, you know, Pomp is a big guy. Uh, in the Twitter uh, sphere around Bitcoin has a really cool show that he just put out the, uh, you know, the pomp business show. And he does a lot of stuff too with Jack Mowers and shows a lot of different projects and whatnot. But one of the projects that he is also involved in is the sovereign network here. And so just to read uh, the about me about Eden, Eden Yago, he is a core contributor to sovereign, the decentralized layer two Bitcoin trading and lending and asset management platform. Sovereign allows users to trade, leverage, and earn yield by lending. Sovereign extends Bitcoin, building a full suite of decentralized tools and bridging Bitcoin with other aspects of the traditional 
economy, and decentralized finance. Early in his career, he founded several other companies in the Bitcoin and crypto space, including CementDAO and Eppenheit, which provided global remnant services. And, uh, you know, so in general, he's an anti-financer, an anti-finance financer and radical optimist. He's passionate and advocates for the mass adoption of open, borderless, and incorruptible finance. So again, really cool thought leader around this space. And he is a core contributor to the Sovereign Network and what they're building there. Again, I'm going to share here my screen and I will surf around on my Sovereign platform so you can uh, get an idea of how this works because you know it is continually getting built. It's an open source project. So if you're a developer, if you know how to code, they're, they're hiring in a sense, even though it's you know, not a centralized company, but you know, there are ways to get involved. I'm on the discord. It's a really cool community. I join in on the conference calls as well, because when you are a sovereign token holder, you technically have a stake and I stake my coins as well. Other ways to passively make income. And these are things we're going to continue to talk about because our weatherman, Austin Barnard, I may have given him the little DeFi bug myself, because, you know, as I got into this, Marcus Moles taught me about Sovereign. That got me into the my first kind of taste of DeFi. And I also got on the Solano Network. And I've been, you know, fooling around on Radium and playing with some Soul and some Ray, some FTT. And now we're on the FTX exchange as well. And we've been floating around on Ethereum now for a couple of years, playing with some digital racehorses and, you know, monkeying around on the Matic Network. So, again, my friends. DeFi is here and it is here to stay in a huge way. So I welcome it. I'm excited about it. And I'm excited to share these experiences as we learn more and uh, as myself make some money from this too, because it's going to be a hell of a ride and uh, we're going to have some fun. So please stick around for the journey and continue to help others, continue to be a service to others. Stay humble. This is not financial advice. This is a life journey. And we want to bring everybody with us. This is the largest and biggest financial wealth transfer in history. And I'm here for it, baby. Stash it. And we're back, folks. Welcome to the Culture Report. We have a special guest today, and we are so excited she's here. Really cool story how we all got here. Her name is Jessica Rector. She uh, was actually an athletic trainer for the Ohio State University when Mike and myself were in college. So another full circle story, seeing where we're all at now, reconnecting. It's a beautiful thing. So without further ado, I want to let Jess introduce herself and uh, what she's doing now, you know, where she's been and where she's going. Jess, welcome. Hello. Thank you guys for having me. This is amazing. Um, yeah, it's so interesting where we all started and where we are now. But um, after athletic training, I went to PT school and like a year into PT school, I had a quarter life crisis. Cause I was like, I do not want to be doing this at all. And I spent a lot of money here. Um, and I found pelvic PT, which is basically like, um, helping people with bowel, bladder and sexual dysfunction and a lot of chronic pain. So like anyone that a normal PT hates seeing on their schedule, I was kind of like, bring them all to me. Like, this is perfect. And it was just a lot of like holding emotional space. The physical stuff that I did with people was helpful, but 
Um, it was definitely more of like supporting people emotionally and energetically. And in my own journey, I like put myself in therapy when I was in 15 and then found yoga and meditation and did all of these things. And when I started getting energy work done, that was another huge level up, you know, therapy helps you level right. up in one way. Yoga does Ma- it a different a major way. Shift, right? Like yes, totally, completely. So um, when I started doing energy work, it was very clear that eventually I would not be doing PT anymore. I was going to shift into energy stuff. And I just thought it would be really far away. And as they do, the plants call to you when they're ready, not necessarily when you're ready. Absolutely. And so I came to San Diego actually to start my own PT practice. And I had sat in medicine space with plants before. And so I did a self-guided ceremony um, with mushrooms. And the outcome of that journey was essentially like that energy work that you thought you were going to be doing a really long time from now. Actually, you're doing it now and you need to stop telling people you're a PT and start telling people this is what you do instead. And I was like, cool. Like, I guess I'll just trust that this will work. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Now, I was going to so, yeah. say, you said a, a, a quarter life crisis. I call that a, a quarter life awakening. Yes, I love that. What a great term. So much better. I'm really into like um, verbiage shifts. Like when someone says, oh, I just can't control my mind. I'm like, no, you can't quiet your mind. Like there's such a difference in the way that we like speak that our body hears every word that we say. And if it's like, you oh, quarter life crisis. You know? Yes, exactly. Speak life into them. So quarter life awakening, so much better. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I just love uh I love hearing the transition and really just the evolution of it. Cause you know, being around, you know, all those, you know, just the like Ohio State's football team, right? Like extremely intense, extremely a lot of pressure, but a lot of intense individuals, things going on, and just being able to study the body, see what the body can go through, because you know, one thing for me when I was in uh, medical sales, it grounded me even more and opened up, you know, my mind to energy work and even more spirituality because of seeing the body in all these extreme states, people cut open mm-hmm. their guts, bones, you know, everything and seeing what it can endure. But then also like, you know, shifts of the mind, shifts of energy, like how they can heal different things. Cause you hear all sorts of different stuff in the OR from different doctors, people that, you know, dedicate their life to you know, traditional medicine, uh, if you will. So, um, you know, having this conversation and how it's all come back together, uh, you know, I'm really honoring this. I'm grateful we're sitting here. Heck yeah. So your so your first self guided ceremony. I need to hear where did where did it take you? Um. So my first self guided ceremony. I was actually preparing to go to Peru to sit with San Pedro um, in the Sacred Valley and. For people who don't know, San Pedro is uh, the active in, the active compound is mescaline, so similar to peyote mm-hmm. or wachuma. Um, it's just the Peruvian style of it. And I have been working on very similar wounds in myself forever. And I was like, I'll be damned if I go to Peru and I'm working on the same shit. So I like researched all the stuff about like intention setting. Um, the environment that you do it in, the dosage, all this stuff. And actually the first medicine that I ever sat with ceremoniously was LSD. Um, So I planned out this whole intention for that to essentially clear these things that I had been working on forever. And 
in that ceremony, it felt like they cleared. And then eventually I had to work with more and more medicines. And then ayahuasca is actually the medicine that like fully cleared that stuff. Um, not because she's better or more powerful, but just because all of these things are different tools in the toolbox. And I kind of feel like each plant teacher teaches you something different about it. And once you've kind of sat with all of them, then you're like, okay, I get it. it. Um, But yeah, that LSD journey was in Philadelphia. I did it in my own apartment. There was a lot of healing that happened like for my own body and my own energy field. Um, And one of the things that happened was that I, this is so ridiculous to say out loud, but I was like looking at this amazing crystal and I just saw like, the whole universe in this crystal inclusive of myself I was like wow like the answers are all right here and then I saw my reflection and I was like oh my god the answers are all in here like in me I have to give this to people and that was like the very first time that I ever felt the calling to serve the medicine although at the time I didn't really like it was just a seed that got planted during that ceremony and then some more work had to be done and now we're here (laughs) It's like that thought where you're like, damn, I wish everybody, like everyone I love and everyone else could feel this, could know what this is like, right? Oh, I was going to say, I think like no matter how you kind of get into uh, the plant medicine and those things, whether it's like recreational and you're like young, just trying stuff out, like, Mm -hmm. or whatever, you have that moment uh, or you have a moment at least of just connectedness um, to yourself and like to the universe and all of those things. And for me, it's always been like, I mean, while I'm in it, but like following, like when I'm coming out of it, of a trip or whatever, um, where I'm just sitting there and I'm like, just so appreciative, you know, I'm like thinking of everything that I went over in my head and like that I experienced during that time. And I'm just like, man, I'm just so appreciative. And I wish that everybody that I love could feel what this feels like physically you know what I mean? Like all that sensation and then just like emotionally, which is, I mean, that's where you're, you come into play. Like I've always had a really, found it, had a really good time, like tapping into my own energy fields and all of those things. But, um, you know, I think anytime that you're able to share a gift, like that's something really sacred and to, you know, never be taken lightly. I think it's so dope. I can't wait to hear about Peru. Um, so like, when you go down there, like what exactly, like what will you be doing for the whole two months? So I'm sitting, I have sat with a very specific um, lineage of ayahuasca service. So there's Mm -hmm. different lineages that serve it. And if you, you might find one and sit with them where it's, I've never sat in this lineage. So this is probably going to be like not exactly what so it's just like. just to explain the lineage a little bit so you're talking about you know a practice or a ceremony that dates back through generations so how far totally. back do you think some of these lineages are going oh my I mean, gosh that's that's the I what is no time idea. right <laughs> exactly i am sure that there is like an estimated number somewhere but when we talk about it in our circles it's like some time ago like a long time and also like just on another timeline in this right. moment right now right. Yeah. my favorite my favorite thing is when you see a meme and it's a dinosaur and a kid sitting on a hillside and the dinosaur or the kid's like that was no micro dose brother <laughs> yeah. well, it's the totally. same. i mean when you think about time right so if there was a sophisticated um you know say aliens that were light years away or even you know depending how far away they are and they're looking at a telescope at earth 
they're not even going to see humans just because of the way time works. Or when you're mm-hmm. standing on earth, looking at the stars, by the time it takes for those stars to reflect back to earth and you to see them, they're, they've already, you know, disappeared. They've already burned out. So totally. then, you know, you can just get all up in there, but back to the lineage. Sorry, we can get a little off topic. <laughs> no, no. Well, something important about time that I really like to hit home before we go into the lineage yeah. is one of the reasons psychedelics and plant medicines are so healing is because they dissolve the illusion of time. Mm. And so when you're doing memory work and like inner child work and talking to versions of yourself where like these poisonous programs of like self-hate and self-judgment and judgment of other people and whatever it is got implanted into you, we can actually time travel and remove them. And so you sit with that stuff in medicine space once, and then you have some integration coaching and we're done with it. And that's so different. Normal therapy, I'm a huge advocate for, and by no means am I saying not to do that and only to do this. I think both are essential, Mm -hmm. but that's something that you can't do in sober space in normal therapy because we're living in a physical plane where time exists. Right. Um, There's a a type of therapy where, I mean, it's, uh, what's that called? It's um, EMDR. Yes. So EMDR, I have like intense experience and when I first did EMDR, I called JB right away after. Uh, when I first did EMDR, the only thing that I could think or compare it to was doing DMT. Mm-hmm. And it took me from one place to another. It was the most incredible thing. I had to get in my journal right away, like the same, the same way that I would think to if I like was doing DMT and I w- wanted to remember as much as I could right away. Um, and all in my journal, the main thing, just like I was just saying about LSD or anything, my main thing was like appreciation mm-hmm. and just gratitude. But and for 25 minutes, I literally sat there counting my hands together, just saying, "Wow, oh <laughs> wow!" And like the, the therapist who did it with me, she was just like, "Yeah, you like you, you were working in there, like you know that was yeah. that was a lot, like." take it easy take it slow like and next time i did it it was just as intense but completely different and Mm -hmm. it like i can't i'm so happy that you knew exactly what i was talking about we were were just talking about the shadow work Mm -hmm. emdr is absolutely um the best that traditional therapy has to offer and ifs internal family systems if you've ever heard of that and like kind of has you name the pieces of you that you've dissociated from both of those things are um very amazing tools to have in your toolbox and i actually i don't use emdr obviously but because that kind of naturally happens in psychedelic space but ifs i essentially use um in psychedelic space too because taking a piece of yourself that you've dissociated from kind of gives you the ability to have compassion for yourself Mm. um and then by having compassion you reconnect with them um so yeah i love that intertwining of the tools yes yes totally um so when i integration Mm -hmm. totally (laughs) um so when i go to peru i'm studying with the shipibo lineage and the shipibo lineage um the way that they sit in ceremony is a quiet ceremony with music some ayahuasca lineages for which I don't know the name sit in ceremony by kind of like dancing around 
Um, and honestly, having done ayahuasca a number of times and needing help to walk to the bathroom in the middle of ceremony, I have no clue how people are like standing and dancing around on this medicine, but it is a good experience, I think. <laughs> I have some um, other friends who administer plant medicine and uh, one of them in particular, she said that her first four ceremonies, she couldn't dance. And on the yeah. fifth one, she danced. Yeah. yeah okay so it takes some time that makes sense yeah right. um so for the shipibo lineage you are sitting in a circle the whole time it's very quiet and meditative people are making noise obviously like people are discharging mm -hmm. emotions and whether it's theirs or past lives or for people in the room that's not theirs it may be tears or laughter or screaming sometimes people have like um, sexual experiences for better or for worse. It can be like both ends of the spectrum, which can actually be really healing. Um, some people are like just shaking or shivering their energy off. But what's really beautiful about this ceremony is that they're singing Icaros the whole time. Um, have either of you done ayahuasca? Nope. So I've, yeah, I've not done it in the ayahuasca okay. form, just, uh, cool. you know, just the DMT different form. DMT. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, Icaros are songs that have been taught to the shamans by the plants. And so the way that the songs work is essentially it's like a, a code frequency um, where when I'm singing this Icaro to you, it's actually communicating with the medicine in your body to guide the medicine through and like find the pieces of your energy that need to be worked on. So ayahuasca gets described as like energetic surgery and in research they're finding that it actually changes the way that your dna like expresses um so the music some people find the music triggering but i think that's when they're holding a lot of resistance to the medicine i it's actually feel like tribal, right? it's very tribal yeah um I did a tesmacal uh, which is a sweat lodge ceremony oh yeah with a yes. with a peruvian shaman uh back cool. in march in tulum and like you sang the Icaros the whole time. It's oh, probably cool. Uh, but yeah, it was very intense. It was wild. Like, you know, it's pitch black in there and like in there 200 degrees. Like, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I, I can, when you start talking about him, I can like hear and feel him singing. In my head. Yes. Yes. They just get implanted into you. Um, so when I go down there, I'm, flying into Iquitos, which is the closest city to the area of the jungle that we're going. And then they're taking us to the jungle. And then I'm just in the jungle for two months, like no service, nothing. We just are sitting with ayahuasca like 20 times or something absurd and like learning how to build a relationship, not just with ayahuasca, but the Peruvian culture has like multiple plant teachers. So not all of them are psychedelic. Ayahuasca is the only one that creates like the state of mind that it creates but the other teachers teach in different ways and heal in different ways and so um when you go down there they have something called a, a plant diet and when you diet a plant you're making an agreement with the plant spirit of like what you're going to consume so um traditional dietas would be like no exchange of sexual energy with anyone, um, water only, maybe you can have like some plantains and some fish, but sometimes people's agreements with the plants is the plants being like actually water fast only or like no water. Um, so it's really intense and it's 
there's like a structure to how they are. And then also the agreement that you make with the plant is like specific to you. Um, and they talk about how the plants have different personalities. So like, if you mess up your dieta, some plants might be like forgiving. And then there's like dark stories about how the plants or other ones will respond if you don't follow their guidelines. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But yeah, I'm going to be, I'm interested to see like the wisdom that I hold when I come back. Cause that's the whole point oh. is that if I'm going to be serving this, the plant has to, I'm going to be the plant basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, this, I'm just, I'm like just sitting over here smiling all giddy, getting chills. Like I'm so happy right now. Like just literally, I, I really can't wait to hear when you come back about like what day 13 and 14 was like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have to 1000% do a follow-up on this. Um, and it's incredible because just to really like rewind a little bit. So it's like Mike and myself, we probably met Jess when we were 18 or 19 years old and then technically really weren't allowed to have relationships with our training staff outside of that mm -hmm. training room, you know, for better or for worse, you know, I'm sure some of that stuff, you know, it's, I think is bullshit, but cause usually yeah. they put a little, a lot more of the stress on, you know, the female aspect of it as well, when there's a lot of, you know, but that's another story. But anyway, <laughs> so we really weren't allowed to have a relationship with her for those four or five years. And then after that, you know, we reconnect at a music festival through a mutual friend and probably what, like we were talking about between 2013, 14, 15. So we were in college 2008 to 2011 didn't see we each weren't other. We weren't allowed to be friends, but we, to be friends. Same <laughs> but we kind of were. We had, yeah. we had a many, many, many of drunk nights stumbling around. Right. But I'm just, it's just, it's, it's, I love how it's the spirit and it's the plant that like, here we are now. And it's, it's totally. 2021. It's not like we were, you know, chit chatting for the last, you know, five, six no. years about this stuff. And now here we are all in the exact really kind of same path, same page. And it's a, it's really beautiful thing. And I'm uh you know, I'm, I'm like, I love hearing you, you know, speak about, you know, the spirit and the plants, like in first person and, you know, using, you know, uh, you know, sacred space and ceremony, like really bringing all of those uh, to the table as well, because it helps with, you know, adoption and education and just, you know, there's a lot of people where this could really help them and they would 1000% be open to it, you know, when it's presented the right way. And uh, like with what you're doing. So it's just as far as, all the different, you know, where your path's been and the integration. And it's a, uh, it's an incredible, uh, incredible thing you're doing, Jess. So this is uh, really cool. Like you said, yeah. Jess, have you ever done any like holotropic breath, uh, breath work? I actually guide it. Oh, well, nice. let me be specific. I'm not like trained and certified in it. So when I lead it, I call it psychedelic breath work, but it's very, very, very similar in nature. Um, and yeah, those experiences are amazing. Sometimes I'll have clients be like, my experience today was deeper than my ceremony with you because my breath got me there. It's so crazy. Sure. I had like one of the craziest experiences, I guess it was like four months ago at the men, the heart collective men's mm. retreat. Um, we did some breath work with, and our breath work guide, she's the same person who also guides ayahuasca ceremonies. Okay. Uh, the one who said it took her like five times to dance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, or maybe it, it might have even been more. But yeah, so she's, you know, done tons of ceremonies and all these things. And like it was a group of eight football players, all big linemen, you know, um, all in there. And like, you know, like as 
these men and all, you know, the super masculine, hyper alpha atmosphere that we all come from, you know, this is a retreat for retired guys to like come together beyond football. So there's lots of wild energy in the room and lots of things to deal with. You know, a lot of guys careers end in ways they don't want. Mm-hmm. So like when you're talking about in ceremony and like, you know, the noises people make and like, I mean, you know, you could have one guy crying hysterically. You could have one guy laughing hysterically. One guy like, mm-hmm. you know, like what, at, you know, like maybe like feel like they're out to throw up or something. It was, uh, the holotropic breath work for me was one of the coolest experiences out of all of the trippy things that I've been a part of. I, like, mm-hmm. I really, um, I talk about how like there's different ways that we heal. So it's as really important for all of us to do work by ourselves and then all uh, of us to do work like in intimate settings, whether like sometimes with a guide or sometimes with like someone we consider a sister or brother or sometimes in divine partnership. And then the group setting is a totally different type of healing. Like I do currently, I do my plant medicine ceremonies one-on-one because that allows me to teach people how to build a relationship with the medicine and how to navigate their shadows. So they're not so afraid of them. And it's really like a, like a mentoring thing. Like, let me give you this knowledge about how to have a relationship with this plant medicine, this plant teacher, instead of using this thing to accomplish a task, we don't use plants. We, we co-create with them. Um, and then the group setting is totally different because when you're in a group setting, you don't get one-on-one guides. Everyone is there together. And what you find in the group setting is that the people that come together are actually healing things. Obviously they're there to heal things for themselves, but they're all healing for each other. So someone will have an experience and then they'll do share circle. And then someone else will be like, I didn't know you went through that. Like I went through that. And it actually, like, I'm feeling so ashamed about it. Can we talk about it? And like, everyone just gets to heal together. And I'm really adamant that like every, every contribution of energy in every scenario matters intensely. If there's one person missing from a group dynamic, the circle will be totally different and it will be the circle that's supposed to happen. But if that person who bailed was there, it would have been different. And so that's why like also sticking to your truth is important. Like no is a powerful word. If you want to do something, do it. But if you're feeling pressured to do it and you don't want to do it, don't do it because there's a reason that you're not supposed to be there for you and for everyone. Um, And I was actually thinking this JV when you were talking about like the way that we knew each other, like it's funny that we all have arrived at the same place and something about all of our energies being where we were at when we were at seems like important, you know, like if we hadn't had those interactions, something would have been a little different. I remember like I got, my friends lost me at a bar on my 21st birthday. And apparently I was with you guys, but I don't remember that. But I think that it's so important that I was because like, there's something about you guys that like, even though we weren't supposed to be friends and like, blah, 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 all this nonsense. Like I felt safe with you guys, which like, wasn't true about everyone that was athletes. Like there are people that I really didn't want to be around. Um, Me too. And yeah, <laughs> makes so me like, feel weird. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like the fact that like you guys are the people I ended up with, and also like now that I see that we've all kind of made it to the same space, it makes sense. Right. That's <laughs> so cool. Love that full circle moment. So uh... uh-huh. <laughs> well, I was 
Um, I wanted to say too, like if anyone's, I feel like people who are listening to this probably are like into this stuff, but I found that there are a lot of people like you were saying, Mike, that have had these experiences that want other people to have them, but there's so much like cultural stuff preventing it and so Mm -hmm. much. And so, um, how to change your mind by Michael Pollan is an incredible book. I, to be honest, haven't read the whole thing just because I already, my mind is changed. I don't need to, but I had my, I wasn't planning on ever telling my mom, like what I do for work. I was like, I'm a coach mom. And she was like, you have your doctorate, you're a coach. Like, what do you mean? (laughs) Um, but like, I got her to read that book and she finished the book and she was like, Jesse, is this what you're doing? Like, this is amazing. Oh my gosh. Like, I'm so excited for you. And it totally changed her mind. Um, and then Joe's relationship too, right? Totally changed our relationship because now I get to like, I get to witness amazing stuff that people have been carrying for their whole life and then they release it. Like it's incredible. And like the fact that I now get to share that with my mom and, you know, my dad is opening the door to really working with these things too, for healing purposes and he needs it. Um, and the fact that my mom is okay with what we're doing and like open to it is, has created such a different dynamic in our family. So if anyone's feeling like there's someone in their life that needs some guidance, like that book is really powerful. And really what I I gave it to my mom and I was like, please read this and don't talk to me until you finished it. (laughs) So you're not getting like the the back and forth, like, oh, why are you making me read this book? Like, it's just like, when you're done, you will be on my side and then we can talk about (laughs) it. That's how I feel about when I talk to people I love about yoga. Yeah. I've had all these like wild experiences at yoga retreats and like share circles and connecting with people in ways that I never would have been able to. And like I tell everybody, like my family, especially like I wish I wish all of you guys would just go to class in studio for three days a week for a month and then make your mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, don't like, don't give up when it gets hard and when you're sore in that first week or two. Like, you know, just like really sit in it, experience it, and then make a decision. And I promise you that you will take something from it that you'll use. You might right. not practice every day or whatever, but like you'll use it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I like, saw, um, go ahead. No, it's just, it's like, it's like growing a plant. You know, it takes like organically, it takes some authenticity, some intention. And you can grow something beautiful, but it's not going to happen overnight because of, I mean, so many people were just trapped in instant gratification and convenience and people convincing us how hard stuff is when it's really not like when you can really just, you know, what are you interested in? Sit down, look something up and like, go for it. Like it's a lot of people projecting their fears and insecurities on it. And freedom is at the other side of that fear. Just go. Totally. Totally. Like the when people sit with me, um, when we're prepping to have them sit, a a lot of what I talk about is intention. Like there's so much intention that goes into my whole space and something that can be lacking. That's worth talking about. If anyone's looking for like circles to sit in or a guide, like things you should be looking for is help with intention setting and integration follow-up because you can pay a couple hundred dollars and go sit in a circle and have your experience and it will be powerful. But if you don't have a a good intention and if you don't have anyone helping you bring all that information from spirit space back to earth space it's not gonna stick like quite as well 
Um, but when people are working with me and have like decided to sit with me, the things that create barriers to them are either like, they kind of already know what the answer to their question is. And they're just looking for clarity. And also they're like terrified to know it because then they can't unknow it. Or they've had like a bad experience on an edible and they're afraid that like the psychedelic experience is going to be like that. And I'm like, cannabis is an amazing plant. Edibles can be tricky and like psilocybin is not that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's like whenever I first found out about DMT in college, it was from, you know, a house where we used to go, you know, smoke a little weed every now and then you know, really cool group of hippies that all live there. This guy, uh, not, I won't say his name right now. Don't know where he's at, but you know, he used to let a lot of people live in his house. You know, they had different chores and whatnot. So definitely a little bit different, little, little outside the box, if you will. But, type of deal. Yeah. And they, yeah. Uh, and they, they used to, you know, uh, have DMT circles just about every night, but we, that's how I found out wow. about it. Started learning about it in college, researching it, me and Mike like learned about it for at least four years before we ever actually tried some. And uh, so that's the, the thing too. This is part of how we found, how we first found or how it found us though. Is yeah, found Jamie us. wrote a paper about it like in school at Ohio State, and we're like so into it. We're watching all the new documentaries, like when the Spirit Molecule came out and all that. And then I was like, this is before walking, Joe Rogan was, was doing it too. Yeah. yeah. I was <laughs> I was walking as a model in a fashion show of all things, right? For my barber. And there was a guy there who was walking for another group. And I was like, man, I got about an ounce of mushrooms in my car right now. And I was like, this guy seems kind of weird. I was like, hey, bro, I got some good mushrooms in my car. I was like, I got some mushrooms in my car. You want to eat some before we do this? And like, and he was like, are they good? I was like, bro, my mushrooms? <laughs> <laughs> you know this is the first time we ever met and so we ate these mushrooms we like you know it was a great time we walked the runway we were doing our thing like feeling all all great and goofy and you know like when you're on mushrooms and the lights are wild and like in a spot mm-hmm. right? i was like what is going on i was like in the universe <laughs> so it's just like this is awesome uh but it was one of those just like happy feel good like float around type of trips you know what i mean and that kid, that dude hit us up, hit me up like, uh, I guess like maybe a week later. And he was like, bro, you ever heard of the spirit molecule, DMT? And I was like, have I? And what? He was like, <laughs> like, well, bro, the spirit molecule is speaking to me. And I think it's your turn. And I was like, bro, I've literally been waiting to hear those words. Well, and me and like, Mike, we all we had like a pack. Basically, we said when the when the spirit when we're ready, the spirit will find us, and when it finds yeah. us, we're going. We're doing and it. It. And yeah. it came. Yeah. yeah, he came over to our house, and we were like, we had a bunch of people over. It was like a terrible setting, right? So we tried it. We tried to smoke this DMT. It doesn't work. Thank God, it didn't work. Well, you like um, blast off, but. Like, like at that time for me, it didn't work at all, right? So then we're sitting there that night. JB and I live together. The bowl is sitting over there still loaded full of DMT. And I look at JB and I'm like, bro, maybe it's just a cool. Maybe we should just try it now. Yeah. I take the bowl. I hit this DMT. And, like, you know, the top of my head just goes like, like, and I, was, <laughs> I go, JB hit it, trust me. And I just, like, fall back. <laughs> sitting on the couch. I'm yeah. like way out there like you know and it was just the most incredible thing i had like 
it was like a big thing where all of the things that I worry about showed up in the like it was like the image it was like the image was like a tv but it wasn't a tv obviously and then it just turned into like energy and it just flowed away it was like everything that you worry about it just flowed away and I was just was like so happy I remember and I'm like you know like I'm like in there and I could still feel all of JB's energy and like I was like well this is crazy and I could feel he was really nervous and like kind of yeah. scared you know yeah um, wasn't wasn't as fun of a thing for him you know like and I was just like, man, and I felt like an, a presence watching me and just holding me and like, you know, taking care of me. And like once like things started to come back to like, you know, our living room, I looked at my hands and my hands were like all types of wild stuff. Like I was just like, what in the world is that? Like, look at all of it. <laughs> Look at how it works. Like, right. I picked up the TV remote and it had like two million freaking buttons. And I just, yeah, that was it. That but was it. That's all I got. That's how the spirit molecule found us. Just, it's been really great having you. We're about to run out of time here. We appreciate you so much. Yeah. Have a great thank time you. in Peru. We got to have thank you, come you back and tell us all about it. Totally. Appreciate you. And like Mike said, thank you so much. <laughs> we will definitely follow back up with you when you get back. And we'll have, you know, all your links to everything you're doing, your your social medias. We'll have, uh, you know, How to Change Your Mind, a link to that book, too. Excited to read it myself. But again, Jess, thank you so much. And uh, may the spirit be with you, my friend. You too. <laughs> Welcome back, folks. It's your boy, Big Stack Shugart, sitting here with my man, Stash Adams. And it's been two long weeks, and we're happy to be back on the Culture Report. Back at it, baby. And we just got done with an incredible weekend. My man, Stash Adams and myself, we were up in Columbus, Ohio for an unfortunate loss against the Oregon Fucks. I mean, the Oregon Ducks. But uh, how was your weekend, my friend? Man, it was great. Hanging out with friends, being back in Ohio, getting a little break from this Florida heat. Um, it was awesome having the Bucks lose. Not so great. Uh, it was nice to be back in the shoe after such a long time away, uh, you know, pandemic last year, all that stuff. Great to see a lot of the guys, Ted, Boom, Pitt, Doug, you know, all the, all the guys. Um, you know, and then also, you know, big game for you and I brought the, uh, brought the girls up for their That's first right. game. Um, JB's girlfriend, Kelsey's first college football game, Samantha's second. She's been to a Florida Gator, uh, Georgia cocktail party game with uh, one of her homegirls from, who's from Florida lap two years ago. Down in the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, Florida lost that game. We had 15,000 more people there this weekend. So I guess we won in those regards. That's right, baby, because the bar was set extra high. For Sam and Kelsey, you know, they got to uh, get the full fan experience. We got a little tailgating action. Shout out to uh, the Boring Crew down there. You know, always, always first class. They're some of the best hosts I've ever met. Some of the best teammates. I love them so much. But Rocky we uh, out there for a night. Yeah, right. Wait until we get it really rocking out, out in the shoe. Maybe Penn State. We'll see what happens with the old, you know, bitchy lions. I mean, the Nittany Lions. But, uh, yeah, man, we got uh, some incredible seats again. 
that was awesome because it was a little rough there. We didn't know what was going to happen with old uh, Gene Smith and uh, Varsity O, where we were going to get our seats and whatnot. But uh, we're happy about that. Got to uh, hang out in the uh, Varsity O alumni room, too. And then I uh, got to take in the fourth quarter up in the uh, press box. So the bar was set very high for uh, a couple of these gals' first Buckeye experience and college football experience. But next time, I'm guaranteeing a Buckeye win. Got to get the dub. Because I can tell you what, last time Mike and myself were out in, uh, out in the West Coast playing a little bullshit Pac-12 football, we beat the shit out of Oregon. So I expect, uh, you know, the Bucks are going to come back strong. There's a couple things out there, you know, D-line, O-line. I'm sure Mike has a couple things to say about it. He was a little fired up at the game. But so what, what do you got for us, big, big stash? Oh, man. Um, yeah, man, I, I think it's just, you know, we're, we're a young team, you know, especially, um, up front defensively, you know, we've got to, got to play a little bit more of a physical brand of football, you know, consistently. I personally think like the last two weeks, um, we've been out physical, uh, I mean, maybe offensive and defensive line, but for sure on the, uh, on our defensive line, um, I think if. Ibrahim doesn't get hurt versus Minnesota when we play Minnesota that we might have a different outcome in that game as well. Mm. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of guys who played really well, um, a lot of really good things to, to, you know, really focus in on, on offense. Um, but I think, you know, we just got to keep the pedal down, keep moving. You know, I think experience and reps is, uh, you know, does really, big things, great things for young guys. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, over these next couple of weeks, if they're able to get a little, a little bit more, um, a little bit more time, a little bit more reps under their belt, things will come, come as they should. You know, people will get comfortable. They'll be able to start playing fast. They'll know what, what they're doing. Cause you know, as a young guy, man, when like, you don't necessarily have all the confidence and like, where to be, what, you know what I mean? All mm -hmm. that stuff. Like you might know the plays, but you don't know all the intricacies and stuff like that yet. So it makes it harder to play like a hundred percent full speed, you know? Right. Um, I think that's, that's, you know, that's where reps come into play. So I think these guys are going to be great. Um, a lot of people are talking about like 2014 and, you know, the loss to Virginia Tech and all those things. Mm -hmm. And like, as, you know, although I would love to do that, this is not the 2014 team. You right. know, there's not Joey Bosa and Zeke and um, JT and like those guys. Like, it's 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 a different team. They're gonna be their own team. They're gonna do their own thing. I think they're gonna do great. I think they're gonna make major improvements. I think everything that they want is probably still out there in front of them. So, mm -hmm. you know, I just hope to see some good adjustments, you know, see what happens, see a little bit more physicality in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And, uh, you know, I don't know, for me, the biggest thing, I mean, I just want to see all 75 at left tackle. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's right. I think the kid's a hell of a left tackle. I know that Harry Miller's out right now. Uh, you know, they got to move some people around, but man, that, uh, that guy, I think he's a real difference maker out there. And, um, yeah, you know, I'd like to see uh, just all those guys up front moving people and being comfortable and, you know, just playing fast. 
Yeah, man. I love that you uh, brought up the 2014 team because I was actually going to say, you know, the last time the Buckeyes lost the second game of the year, they won the Nash. Would love to see that, but completely agree with you as far as completely different team, different culture too, you know, different head coaches, uh, different time, you know, this last season, no fans. Now there's fans. You still don't know who's going to be able to play every week. A lot of adversity, a lot of uncertainty. And, uh, you know, that's when you just got to lean in and just keep pushing harder. Um, you know, I agree. Definitely could see uh, can always always be more physical. You know, I love Thayer Mumford out there. Love to see him back out at left tackle. Uh, a lot of people don't know. You know, I always bring this up to Mike. But when I was coaching football at Toledo, you know, Thayer might remember. I doubt it, but I'll always remember because, you know, I'm going to I'm going to scream it from the mountaintops. We were his first offer, you know, or at least one of the first offers. I like to say, you know, I think I think we were watching freshman film. And I was like, well, this guy's going to go to Ohio State anyways, but we should offer him. We should offer him. <laughs> <laughs> we're ringing that maybe he'll just like make an impulsive decision right i think he came to camp he was a freshman at camp and i was like yeah i mean this dude will end up at ohio state or michigan state or notre dame or something but fuck let's get let's try and get him <laughs> right it's a piece but uh, uh but yeah man watching that game though too you know it was electric the fans definitely on some of those huge third downs it just sucks like even when we finally got the stops at that point you know our offense couldn't answer but one thing I love about this offense is, you know, when they're trying to find some rhythm, trying to trying to find some juice, they take shots. And in this game, too, there was just a couple balls, man. There's a little timing, young quarterback, you know, throwing that bitch around in front of 100,000 people for the first time, too. Let's remember that. And, you know, you, you, you change a couple of those, a couple of those plays. The Buckeyes are still rolling out of that game, maybe winning by a touchdown, two touchdowns and still having to address these things. I think that's a little thing that sometimes we get used to. You're like, oh, we're going to make that play. We're going to make that play. And if everyone's waiting for the fucking play, it ain't going to happen. You know, it just yeah, has to right. be part of your DNA. And uh, I'm excited, man. I love Coach Day. Love what he's been doing. Um, you know, that was his first regular season loss. Bro, crazy. That's <laughs> some Dude, fucking I, run I right I there. I love boy. what you said about, like, you know, plays here, plays there. Because, like, let's get it let's get it straight and clear that like under throws did not lose us the game right like those couple plays did not buy any no, means right no. and what loses you the game is you know there's uh, a block that wasn't held for half a second here right. there's somebody on the outside a receiver on the outside who's not blocking and a db makes a play that could have otherwise run for touchdowns you know things like that like right like for every one of those underthrows, there's in every other position yeah. group, there's a couple as well. So it's, you know, just cleaning up, executing, you know what I mean? And like, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, man, I, th I thought he did great. I thought he was out there competing, getting yeah. after it. He puts the ball out there. And, you know, I think they say like the long ball is like one of his, the best parts of his game. So, right. you know, getting the nerves out when you when he's in there feeling good give him a week or two like i bet you he's gonna look like a completely different kid and Absolutely. he looks great now right like, right balling you know what i mean like, the last thing i want to see too I, I saw some people like yeah why don't we run him like jt i'm like fuck that that's why we got a running back we're gonna run the running back we're gonna go to play action we're gonna be fucking dropping 50 yard bombs with our you know wiping bro, yeah wiping just, the field clean we got two. Of, we got two of the top five receivers in the country. Right, man. We do not need to run our quarterback. No, man. we got a big. We got a big old O line who's physical and can be more physical. Right. 
And we got some big ass running backs. Right, man. Like our running backs right now are like some little bowling balls. Like they're it's pretty wild. Right. To see like how I mean, they're a lot different than what Ohio State running backs have looked like for the past five years. Absolutely. So it's pretty cool. But I, you know, I love I love it. I love seeing guys getting after it. Um, yeah, there's room for improvement, which there always is, but I think I think we're on a we're on a good path and you know. We'll see what these boys do. That's right. And a shout out, you know, to those players, to the coaches. It's been a while since Ohio State's lost a little bit. You know, we've been on some teams that had to take a couple L's that, you know, had to take a couple L's from our fan base a little bit from the NCAA. And uh, sometimes you got to circle those wagons and just know we got your back. Fucking come with it. You know, put the silence, the noise, fucking put the blinders on and let the fucking silver bullets fly, baby. <laughs> That's right. Circle the wagons. And as always, stash it. Buckeyes, yeah. And when you pass it, you fucking pass that shit 50 yards to a a lave. Now, I'll probably edit that out. And here we are in the culture report, folks, where we're bringing you some of the fun and latest news because anything goes when we're here. But I uh, just wanted to talk about this a little bit. And this is cannabis adoption happening across the country. You know, college student cannabis use is soaring while tobacco and alcohol use is declining. Cannabis flower is now available in Virginia for all patients. And in doing that, now arrests are down 90%. Montana's loosening their uh, cannabis advertising restrictions. So we're going to see that because... You know, I'm sick and tired of seeing Bud Light commercials on TV too. I don't know about you. Cannabis-related arrests. Yeah, let me get a let me get a Super Bowl cannabis commercial. Right? I mean, it's about uh-huh. that's kind of what started the whole thing too. But pretty cool stuff there. You know, I know Mike was just sharing with us about uh, in New York State. You know, essentially fully recreational. You can smoke anywhere, but they're putting together a. Uh, a, you know, a board, a board of politicians, a board of uh, decision makers before they can, you know, sell it uh, recreational up there. So we'll continue to follow that stuff. We got to get Dr. B, you know, crunching some shit for us too. Yeah, that was a weird thing though, being in New York because there's medical dispensaries all over. So they have stores with product that can right. sell it, you know what I mean? But, and I guess they say they're not like, they're not like you can smoke in public and all these things and all like you don't have to worry about anything, but you can't buy it anywhere. Right. I'm like, man, do you know what it like how much money they're like how much money New York City would make with like recreational dispensaries anywhere? Right. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are and how many people are in New York in any given weekend, but like that place is incredible. Yeah, like I mean, a, the guy who comes from the farm and like lives mm-hmm. by the beach in like a small city, like two hundred ninety thousand, bro. Right. When I got like when I get to New York and I'm like riding in an Uber or train or whatever, and I see like all of these buildings just stacked on top and like all of these people, like, bro, it's absolutely mind blowing to me. And to think about how much weed they can sell, like, absolutely. Holy smokes, they're talking about, um, I saw an image of like um, industries, like big major industries and how much revenue they're making. Mm-hmm. And 
yeah like cannabis projected to be like the the top like the biggest industry by what like 2025 or something yeah and not by a little but i mean like it was outdoing tobacco and alcohol by like you know billions of dollars like tens like yeah i don't even remember it had to be like 10 billion plus dollars or something crazy but i don't know i just i just love it i love to see it i love to smoke it love to smell it yeah you know I, th- I think everybody else should too i mean if you don't then i think you should stop giving me shit for it <laughs> I mean, yeah, a place like talk a lot about a little bit about this. <laughs> I mean, so. a place like New York City too, man, because it's uh, it's definitely something that can help a lot of people. It's something that can create a lot of jobs, and then it's also something that you know, if it's going to be used medically or recreationally. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. How you know, I'm really not drinking anymore, and I still like to go out and be social, but that doesn't mean I won't go to a bar. But I'd like to go to a place where there might be more people you know, maybe on this a little more within the same realms of what I'm doing that might have alcohol, but maybe kombucha on draft or, you know, some type of cool tea that makes me feel loose or maybe some uh, cannabis drinks in the future. And, you know, and then I don't know if you can serve cannabis and alcohol at the same place. I'll be a fine line, but then there's all sorts of different places we go now or a hookah bar where it can be BYOB and things like that. So I'm really excited, especially a place like New York. When you think about the creativity the innovation, the people, the artists. I mean, it's already being smoked. It's already being used. These places probably already exist, but it can incentivize people to, you know, come out of that, you know, black market or what we call in the show, the traditional market and really, you know, start to, you know, grow wealth, grow family wealth, grow generational wealth and try and do it in a way. And we need to come together. So, you know, the super rich, the elites or the politicians, you know, don't cook the books and like, make it harder for, you know, the really, you know, the mom and pop shop. The everyday American. Right. Exactly, man. And that's bro. Yeah, man. Bro, it all comes down to like perception. Right. And like the way that you're talking about, like, yeah, like, you know, people going out for drinks and this and this on draft. It's like the stigma has got to die. And it's like, you think it is, but then you get out there and you meet people who are still like, oh, dude, like mm-hmm. you're smoking weed, you get high, like you smoke weed every day. I'm like, yeah, right. you should too. Or you wouldn't be looking at me the way you're looking at me right now right. and judging the shit out of me. Like, And I think about it as like, like, man, I had a conversation the other day. My girlfriend's like, yeah, like my birthday's, her birthday's coming up. She wants to go to wine country in San Diego while we're out there. And she's like, yeah, me and my element in a vineyard, you know, like sipping her favorite wine, all that. And I'm like, yeah, me and my element in a in a big commercial grow. <laughs> right. Fun tasting, smelling, all of that. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, and she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, same thing. Talking exact about, same thing. Talking about vines and fucking weed plants. Like they're we're we're talking about a big vineyard of weed and wine what do you right. want you know i'm like it's like people got to be able to draw that that correlation where this is not different right like if anything it's i mean safer mm-hmm. you know like how many people died being drunk every day every year like right it's crazy um but yeah i just i don't know i love seeing those light bulbs go off for people and I love seeing the light bulbs go off for America. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I tell you, there's nothing, there's nothing nicer than getting off a plane and just being able to like on the way to your hotel or wherever you're going, stop at the dispensary real quick. <laughs> right. Tell the Uber guy like, "Hey man, care if we stop here real quick?" Sure, there. You're in and out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You got great premium flour, edibles, or drinks. Right. Depending on what state you're in, you got whatever you know and. Um, it really does make it nice. It makes me think about other countries and things like that, like like a place like Amsterdam where you can go in and you can order up some truffles and triple mushrooms, or you can order up some cannabis. You can have drinks. You can do all these different things, you know. And uh, I don't know. I think when I first started thinking about politics, policy, and cannabis and drugs in general, and I kind of had like that my first exposure to the well legalize it all and just let it all you know make mm-hmm. raise awareness type of deal i was always like hmm, i don't know man legalize blow and legalize all these things or people just going to be out here like get loose and being wild I'm like and then i grew up i'm like damn people already are out here getting <laughs> loose and being wild right you know it's like right they don't have a lot like because not everybody has just like someone in the traditional market who's reliable and trustworthy right like when you when you when i think about things i think about like when like bro i don't want my daughter if i have a daughter one day or my wife or girlfriend right now going to some random ass dude buying mm-hmm. weed from her probably like thinks she's hot wants to fuck her like right you know weird shit like that but like you know what i mean so like yeah having it easily accessible where you can go in a store and like do that like bro it's just I don't know. And if they, that's, well, that's the thing too. It's like you let, let the market decide. And whenever they cook these books and put in all these, uh, you know, different regulations, sometimes it causes it to, you know, not even allow that. So you couldn't have like your, your iPhone of dispensaries, but then also have like, maybe like your, you know, boho traditional, you know, surfer dude wants to have his little, his shop and he, he grows one herb and makes fucking necklaces and shit too. But the way some of these laws are being set up, it will not allow that. So it's like, oh, oh yeah, you know, they're there's only going to be right, they're going through that right now in Oklahoma. Big right. time. So, like imagine Oklahoma. if you could only get your fucking coffee at McDonald's, not even right. Starbucks at McDonald's, Crazy. you know, like, no, fuck that. Yep, they're doing so in Oklahoma right now. So the regulations in Oklahoma are like slim to not like there's right. like no rules, you know. So there's a lot of dispensaries. A lot of them are, you know, mom and pop, um, owned and grown, all that kind of stuff. But now there's like big companies, you know, big private equity groups and right. all these things like opening up these big, you know, well-oiled machines. Right. Now the mom and pops who like, you know, they only have a grow that, um, you know, they're only cropping out every how many ever weeks, you know, so like they got periods of, drought and you know like demand is high supply is low these big companies now have all of the supply so they're being able to like you know take that over and all the a lot of the mom and pop companies are getting shut down right now right um so yeah it's like it's it's kind of a thing like walmart's coming in gotta watch out like i know some folks down there who have been open for i think two years and they're like tops in the tops in the industry in oklahoma as far Mm -hmm. as quality and all that stuff goes and you know they're like man i need money for inventory 
Right. You know, I need to be able to go buy a bunch of weed from someone to sell until my crop's done. Right. You know, because it's just, uh, you know, big money moves in. And if you don't, if you can't keep up, you know, you get shut down. And that's just kind of how it works. I think it's so interesting, too. Some of these, uh, you know, farmers that are even getting recruited or basically getting like, hey, you got to join us. Or you're going out of business. Some of these people have been growing weed their whole lives, like in the you know traditional markets or, you know, out in these huge fields in America, too, which I think is pretty, uh, pretty interesting. The deeper you go into it. And then now they're technically legally working for some of these bigger groups and equity firms and stuff because they have no choice. And I think some of that is, uh, you know, it sucks to see. I mean, that's how certain things in a, in a market will go sometimes. But at the same time, it's with those regulations in these smaller places like you could grow enough weed to be a profitable dispensary, you know, in your home in some place, you know, if it was like, you had, you know, you had your, your regulars and different things like that. But, uh, you know, obviously the way you make a lot of money, you got to scale. You're not going to, you know, be a fucking weed billionaire just with one dispensary, obviously, or anything like that. Even a weed millionaire. I mean, you might, have a nice I mean, comfortable could be it from one dispensary but not from one grow yeah right not right from right. one small grow right you know what i mean if you right. could afford to buy a warehouse where you could vertically grow and you could grow thousands of plants then yeah like you could you can make a ton right. of money but i just like, think if, like but like if you just got one one like say this house my little three two here in st pete was a grow i could probably grow like 200 plants in here 300 plants in this house total you know what i mean and that ain't enough like yeah bro when you're a dispensary you know like you're selling pounds daily right Right. you know like and per plant like you're not talking about pounds you're like you know what i mean like not growing high quality indoor bud so i mean it's just like you know you gotta have bigger area or you gotta have more grows you could make as much as I mean, selling out of one dispensary, you can make a lot, but right. you got to have a lot of a lot of product. Right. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, when you talk about where it is federally uh, or uh, recreationally legalized, the actual smoking of flower consumption is down. So, I mean, right yeah. there, I mean, that's some data just to tell everyone to like, you know, go fuck themselves. But yeah, where it's recreationally legal, people smoke less. Yeah. Like, come like on. You want people to stop smoking, legalizing, let right. them eat edibles and drink their drinks. and do Exactly, their man. There's so many more ways to consume because where those people, where those places are, I mean, like me, for example, it's like sometimes like I'm smoking when like, yeah, I would much rather like be eating an edible or using a topical or even just learning different ways to use it because I could go, you know, to a dispensary and talk to someone really knowledgeable. You know, I'm obviously doing some of that on my own when I you know, do stuff online, but just the overall experience at face to face, or even, you know, looking at different products, learning about different brands, and you have somebody that can break it down for you, and uh, put you on schedule, help you pick different things out for what time of the day, what you're eating, yeah. what your goals are. That's the type of stuff I think, uh, you know, the more people learn about, they'll be like, Oh, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, that actually yeah. makes sense. <laughs> Yep. And then there's guys like me who are just always going to smoke dudes. Yeah. Right. Right. There's not, there's not anything like, bro, smoking (laughs) dudes, fat ones till I die. Oh, it's that, it's the sacred herb, baby. Just that, that, that little, 
and then you feel right. it. Like, will there be times where I smoke less? Yes. There'll be times where I smoke more, for sure. But one thing's for certain is that I'm gonna be smoking weed until until it's over. You know, I'm be eating edibles, I'm doing all those things, and I don't know. I've been doing it for a while now, for 15 strong years, you know, it's just not something that I'm like, not something I I see in my future just being gone. You know, I've taken times where I didn't smoke for like six, eight months. Right. You know, take a tolerance break for a couple of weeks or a month, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. It's like, I've had a lot of times where I'm like, man, I wish I like, I probably could just not drink forever. Like, feel great, great dude i don't i mean there'll Bro, be a like, day i'm could, sure where you go out like if you get because like we're social people we like to right. go out we like to go to live music and all that kind of stuff yeah. like shows you know what i mean like i like going to the beach and i like going out to dinner like bro if there was a world where i could go out to dinner and we didn't just get a wine list and a drink list and i could get like a uh you know there's like cannabis drinks on here and all those kind of deals like bro send it my way right like i'm cool with that you right. know I mean? like give me some give me some cannabis wine you know what i mean like give me it doesn't it could be non-alcoholic however, right. however you want to make that work right give me that i'm cool with that you know I already I, mean? I can already like taste it like it's gonna be like a almost like a a hint of lemon and lime it's gonna be a sativa and it's gonna be a nice bubbly drink i'm just gonna be like this is gonna put me in a fucking mood baby and it's gonna and then you know what i'm probably gonna digest my food better i'm gonna sleep better i'm gonna wake up and i'm gonna feel better bro i don't know i don't know i'm no scientist but i've been i've been in this weed thing for for a mighty long time now and I know that with any issues I've had, I've had gut issues, being stabbed, I've had back issues, shoulders, knees, ankles, brain, like all that stuff. And and I know that whenever whenever any of those goes bad, whenever I do smoke some weed or eat an edible or whatever, I feel way better. Right. And that's just it. Like playing football. And having like, you know, mini concussions or like whatever you want to call them or like, you know, just real concussions and your head's all foggy, you're irritable as fuck. Like you don't want to talk to anybody and you're having, I mean, everything's good in life though. You know, you fucking hit a do and you can literally feel the weight lift off of your body and your anxiety and everything just like go like this. Yeah, that's the most incredible thing to me. Like, like I get in a lot of these funks where like I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to talk to the people I'm closest to and all of those things, especially when I first retired or got out of the game. And I would be like, what's wrong with me? Like, why do I feel like this? Bro, I could sit and smoke a dude and go to a family function and just be chilling, be happy to see everyone. Right. But like, let me not have smoked that dude and gone everybody be on my nerves mm-hmm. i'd be like combative with my speech and all of that kind of stuff i'm like nobody wants that i don't want that for me they don't want that for me or for them you know what i'm saying like right. bro and if 
say I was in that state and I went and got drunk at the family function. Right. You know what I mean? I might like just or even just had a couple drinks. So now you're, you know, the veil's yeah. off. You know, I'm getting I'm getting a little fired up. Yeah. I mean, like for some people, that's how it goes. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, yep. Luckily for me, I'm like kind of a a big like lovey, happy drunk, you know, but like right. I just if that's if I'm around a bunch of people and I already feel annoyed and I get drunk, you better believe I'm be like, dude, somebody get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, when get me out of here, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start saying something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially when you're with your family. But I don't know, man. Cannabis wins. Smoke a plant. Eat a plant. Be a plant. Love you. And as my man Stash Adams said, where there'll be times when I smoke less. Yes. Will there be times when I smoke more? For sure. sure. (laughs) And that is a wrap, folks. This is the Culture Report with your man, Big Stack Shoe Guards. And my man, Stash Adams, a.k.a. Big Smoke, Big Smudge. And like we talked about today, the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, the Croc Necks. The Croc Ness monster. We actually didn't even talk about Crocs, but Crocs is still soaring everybody. They're up over over $150 a share. And uh, back when your boy just forgot to buy all his shares, they were like 10, 15 bucks a share. So we were just talking about all the what it could have showed us, but we don't do that shit around here. So we didn't even put it on. But that's right. <laughs> all right. Stash it. And it's been too long, folks. So we're back here at the Traffic Report with my man, Dr. B. How are we doing? Living the dream. That's right, baby. And like we said in the intro, it is time for the do's and don'ts with Dr. B. So what do you got for us this week, my friend? Well, let me start by saying you can you can do what you want with your life. It's your life. But uh I've got a don't for me personally. Um, we've talked about true leave a little bit, touched on them. Um, they kind of are accused of, you know, using their political influence to rig the medical system and medical program in Florida. Um, and I did own some true leave. I'd sold off a chunk once, uh, the trial with the CEO, Kim Rivers, her husband, um, started to get some publicity. Um, and you know, the stock's down quite a bit. I said, fuck it took my loss sold off um just because i can't really stomach you know owning stock in them i don't support them as a company now i don't like them um it bothers me just the way she's handled it all so i sold off my true leave um put put it into a few different companies i bought um some more cresco shares uh you know because everything's down so much right. right now Right. Truly down a little bit more, which kind of hurts to sell it off because they've been suffering from the, you know, you, the market, the the cannabis stocks are down on the whole. And then you throw in the fact that they've been getting bad publicity. So they're struggling a little bit more. But, right. you know, I've got a lot more faith in Green Thumb and a few of these other companies. So I put some into Green Thumb, Cresco, um, a few other other uh, smaller, smaller um, companies. Um, and, you know, I'm going to I'm happy with it. You know, if it ends up costing me a little bit of money, you know, I won't, won't really ever be able to calculate it. So I'll never right. know. Um, but yeah, I had to, I had to do what I had to do. Hey, and I, uh, I appreciate hearing that. It's always nice to see when people put, 
you know, their values and morals, you know, above profit, you know, people sometimes actually all the time, people over profit in this regard, you know, what do we support? We support, you know, laws and regulations and things that incentivize those in the traditional market to come to the legal market. We, we support, you know, mom and pop grows, small shops and things like that. And the things that truly was doing in Florida, as far as cooking the books and putting in all these different regulations, it essentially canceled out all their competition. So fuck them, dude. I'm with you. You know, dubs and don'ts. That's the first don't. I'm not about that shit either. We'll continue to follow as well. But like we always said, Reed said, it's your life. Do with do with it as you please. This is not financial advice, but this is the first dubs and don'ts. Yes, sir. Hey, and uh, next up on the traffic report, we wanted to hit on the strains of the week. And uh, this is a first with uh, my man, Dr. B. Usually we're doing this with uh, on the culture report, but wanted to bring it over here to the traffic report because, you know, I know my man right here is uh, he's got his hands on some very nice strains throughout his life. So we'd love to hear uh, what you're smoking on this week, my friend. Yeah. All right. I uh, actually bought these out in Los Angeles. Um, these are the brands Lowell Smokes. Um, and this is their package of, of pre-rolls here. Pop it open. Very it's got a little cool. thing up here with some matches in it. And then you got your pre-rolls. I'm down to my last one. Honestly, they don't burn the best, but the packaging and branding is so great. Got a little magnet in there. That's awesome. It's so great. Um, you know, I'm going to suffer through this. Um, but yeah, this is it's it's a hybrid. So they've got 50 percent of the flower is a strain called Big Smooth. Fifty percent is a strain called Gorilla Glue Four. Um, Gorilla Glue Four is a pretty common strain. Um, you know, kind of pretty big commercial grown, commercially grown strain. Um, got real popular back in 2014. Blew up. Um, a lot of people. It's it's kind of a little played out. It's like, you know, it's like smoking green crack or blue dream at this point. But right. It's always been one of my all-time favorites, um, and especially when it was when it was a newer strain. The first couple of years, I I would buy all the Gorilla Glue I could get my hands on, um, and uh, you know, it's that's how it goes. Something gets real popular, you know, takes you know has its time as a, a majorly major commercially grown strain, and then you know people start to hate on it, and I'm starting to hate on it now. But it's still <laughs> got such a unique smell, and it's great. Right. I mean, one thing I love about Gorilla Glue, you know, myself included, I've smoked all three of those, a lot of them, Gorilla Glue, Blue Dream, Green Crack, some great, you know, not necessarily the OG strains, but, you know, they date back uh, a while there because yeah. with a lot of the crossbreeding and all that, you know, some of these strains are kind of getting left behind or left getting all switched all different ways. But um, something we talked about and why we like to do the strains of the week is to, uh, you know, advocate, educate, um, obviously, but some of these names are a little crazy sometimes, or, you know, they can uh, scare people. So what's cool about Gorilla Glue, they also go by the name GG4. And uh, I could probably see that within the industry, a lot more, uh, you know, abbreviations and whatnot. Uh, For example, last week, we were talking about jet fuel gelato you know maybe that could be a jfg but uh yeah right yeah <laughs> so, if you're getting medical cannabis though i don't know if you want anything that's named jet fuel or you know, <laughs> if it's if it's for actual medicine i don't know if that's what you're looking for right right and uh yeah and that other strain that was in here i have it pulled up here on uh, leafly.com great resource if you are you know using cannabis and you might want to dig a little deeper find out 
you know, what's good, what's not, maybe what, uh, you know, how other people have experienced that. And, uh, you know, Big Smooth is one I'd actually not heard of. So just wanted to read off some stats here. It's a 20% THC. You know, it is a, a calming effect. The top effect it says here was, you know, it was happy, had a blueberry aroma and uh, Big Smooth by Exotic Genetics. It's a flavorful cross of OG blueberry and cookies and cream. Indica dominant, you know, I like that. I like a good indica. Indica dominant hybrid offers a delicious turpine profile that smells sweet and doughy, mm, like blueberry pancakes. All right. Big smooth grows bushy, medium tall plants and has a flowering time of 55 to 66 days. I like it. Not bad, man. Not bad at all. But um, yeah, man. So just uh, again, those are the strains of the week. We had GG4, Gorilla Glue 4 and uh, Big Smooth. And uh, another thing I just wanted to ask you, Rita, it was pretty cool, you know, how you have those uh, pre-rolls there, package, little matchstick and everything. What was the name of the company again? Uh, this one's called Lowell Smokes. Um, Lowell Smokes. They're based out of California. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just wanted do. to say, I just think it's really cool how, you know, you've had to gotten to experience, you know, these multi-state uh, operators in different markets and buy different brands as far as flowers, concentrates, um, you know, drinks, uh, edibles, you know, in states like Michigan, California, Colorado. So just to dig in a little bit more, I mean, do you have any brands that you have seen in different states that you like more or things you like more on the West Coast versus the Midwest? Yeah, yeah I mean, it is kind of interesting going from state to state, legal state, and, you know, some of them are more developed. Um, and, you know, there's plenty of brands that are only in Cali or only in Colorado. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's, it's really fun to check out some of the different brands and, and, you know, see what their products are like and, and compare and contrast. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, whenever I, whenever I travel to Colorado, I love to go to a dispensary in Denver called kind of love. Um, but they've got, they've got really cool stuff and it's a really cool dispensary, great flower, great, you know, great, great staff and all that stuff. Um, So if you ever are in Denver, I would check that out. But um, last time I was there, I got a, some Green Dot is the name of the brand. Um, and they make like live resin carts. Okay. Um, so, you know, they, they weren't cheap, but, you know, you're getting the real the real deal terpenes in there. Um, and it, all, you know, all the cannabinoids and stuff. It's not it's not like distillate where they're they're running it, um, stripping all the terpenes out and then adding in sometimes real terpenes, sometimes fake, you know, right. terpenes. Um so, you know, you got the real, real flavor and stuff in a pen. Um, Green Dot is that brand. They're out in Colorado. I don't know if they're in other states, but I really think they're just in Colorado. Um, yeah, I've always, I always get a few of their carts when I'm out, out in Colorado. Um, as far as for being in um, California, um, yeah, Lowell Smokes is a brand there. Um, I just have always loved their, their branding and their, their, uh, their packaging and all that stuff. I think it's, it's really neat what they do. Um, and they actually have a, it's a restaurant and, um, uh, I guess it's, yeah, you can just smoke there basically. So you can, you can go get food yeah, get sweet. and they'll bring you, um, you can like rent a bong and they'll bring you, you know, uh, you can buy a little weed and they'll bring you a bong out to use at your table or a dab rig, so on and so forth. Mm. Um, um, so I think that's one of a really cool thing and it's, it really only exists in California. Right. Um, and you know, you, you hope that opens up and, and that eventually one day every state has stuff like that. 
Um, but yeah, Lil Smokes is a good one out there. Another brand I love is um, they're called Lobo. Um, and you've smoked some of these with me. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they make they make cigars and stuff. Um, but weed cigars, essentially, um, you get them with live resin and all kinds of different stuff inside. Really cool branding again. Um, and, you know, they smoke great are enjoyable. And it's just something a little, little different right. um, from your standard from your standard. Um, but yeah, and, you know, I, when I go out to Cali, I've never really gotten cookie stuff. Um, right. You know, a lot of that's like there's a lot of fanboys for for that brand. I've never really, I don't know, I've never really felt the need to jump on the bandwagon. But but yeah, I, I two Cali brands I love: Lil Smokes and Lobo. Sweet. No, I'm uh, I'm excited to uh, you know do a little research on these. We'll include them uh, in our you know in our newsletter. Uh, you can check out that in the uh, you'll get uh, you know you get the email and everything whenever you get the notification. But Really, uh, really exciting stuff. Expect more of this on the traffic report. You know, we're going to also do some product reviews, brand reviews. We're going to be bringing on, um, you know, people in that space as well. Uh, we have a really cool interview to look forward to with um, some Ohio growers and uh, coming from Buckeye Relief. And, uh, you know, he has a really cool Instagram. It's called Ohio Smokes Loud. But we'll have him on here in a couple of weeks to dive into you know, the Ohio medical, uh, marijuana, medical cannabis market. And, uh, we're really excited to have that as well. So really cool stuff to look forward to, but my favorite that I'm be looking forward to are those dudes and don'ts with Dr. B. But, uh, again, thank you so much, my friend for this week. It was a quick one, but, uh, as always, it was, uh, it was a great time. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you, JB. All right, man. And that's a wrap, folks. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you're tuning in from YouTube, you can see that my hat's on backwards. I've lost my shirt and the sun is setting outside. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an incredible show. Please check those show notes. We will have so many cool things in there from our referral links to some really cool articles different things you can join, be a part of, and advocate for. You can check out Jess Rector's website as well find out ways to connect with her. You can see that link to my girlfriend, Kelsey Aida's book, Letters to the Universe. It is out now. You can buy it. You can pre-order it. You should get it for everyone in your family, everyone you love, because it's going to be really cool. And again, thank you so much for being here with us. We really work hard to put these shows together and share this message. And uh, I hope you tune in to my Instagram as well, stash it or pass it. We are starting a really cool campaign on there to help pick up trash. Very simple. Pick some trash up. Take a picture of yourself. Send it to the Stash It or Pass It Instagram. And we're going to start a revolution, baby. Because when we start to love ourselves, we will love each other and this earth so much more. So come together and always remember, freedom is at the other side of fear, baby. Go for it. And we'll see you next week. Stash it.